It was a small group to whom the 21st century Bodhisattva spoke. Her topic had been Buddhist Perspectives of Mind. When she was finished, she asked if there were any questions. A man named Stanley cleared his throat and asked, Thank you so much for your talk. You've stimulated my imagination, especially with your intriguing way of hinting at the workings of mind. I say hinting because you haven't really provided a clear explanation or detailed description of how mind exists operationally. Can you speak some more about this and the path that leads to our understanding it? The Bodhisattva paused to collect her thoughts, smiled softly, and then began to speak. Well, I'll do my best to explain what I perceive the workings of mind to be based on the insights and teachings of our path and the meditative practices that experientially bring forth what the teachings reveal. But before I do, I must emphasize our path is not one of merely listening to teachings, creating social events for like-minded people, and collecting weekend initiations, the essence of which fades into little more than vague memories by the following weekend. Rather, it is a path of progressive engagement, of evolving through intention, action, and engagement arising from the determined and genuine cultivation of equanimity. So I'll talk about the workings of mind, and as an introduction, I'd like to share some practice perspectives. Please listen carefully. They draw a big picture. I suggest you prepare yourself to later think about what you'll hear, perhaps as you're striving to get it in ways that transcend your old, habitual ways of understanding. I believe a familiar phrase is to, quote, be unafraid to view and explore the terrain outside of the box, unquote. Then, once you've identified newly forged perspectives and motivations, discern whether their manifestation would be beneficial to both you and the common good, and if so, act on them with sincerity. Be mindful of bodhicitta while taking note of what is occurring in your mind and how your intentions and actions are resonating in the minds of those whom you are with. Remain responsibly attentive of this at all times and in all your actions. Here in the West, there are many people who are curious about Tibetan Buddhism usually for its meditation practices, and venture to meetings or teachings or seek out books to see what it's all about and whether it resonates with them. This is quite wonderful. And then there are those who are more personally invested, seeing value in the teachings, but mining them for their own singular good while feeling no sense of respect or responsibility toward the principles or behaviors the path leads to. For them, Buddhism is a flirtation. Sometimes they fiddle with that, but it has yet to deeply penetrate. It's a sort of exotic spiritual feather they gather and place in their cap for others to see. But I believe coming to our precious teachings and practices and superficially amusing oneself in this way is akin to betraying the great lineage masters, Siddhartha, 
Nagarjuna, Shantideva, Asanga, Maitreya, Atisha, Tsongkhapa. Right up to those of our time, Kalu Rinpoche, Dilgo Kayensi, Patrul Rinpoche. So many wise and precious teachers who didn't dedicate their lives to cultivating and sharing the Dharma merely to conveniently entertain or provide gratifying, self-pleasing moments to those of present or future generations. The Bodhisattva sensed surprise and unease at the harshness of her words. Yes, I feel strongly about this. Sadly, I see so much of it here in the West. Dabbling Dharma dilettantism, manifestations of what Trungpa labeled spiritual materialism and George Ferrer called spiritual narcissism. To expose oneself to these empowering teachings and practices and not digest them, not mindfully work with them or take them to real life engagement it's so wasteful. For those of you familiar with Shantideva's Bodhichaya Vitara, otherwise known as the Way of the Bodhisattva, you'll understand the foolishness of this quite clearly. But now, let's get to your question, Stanley. As for the mind, I can't provide a clear and complete blueprinted explanation because it is impossible to do so. There's a teaching that says, a mute might clearly remember a beautiful dream, but cannot express it in words. Likewise, we lack words to describe the ultimate nature of the mind, since the mind escapes all definitions and is beyond anything our vocabulary can hope to capture. For example, if we say it or mind exists, we have nothing to show for it but emptiness. If we say it is nothing at all, we are refuted by its myriad manifestations. The ultimate nature of the mind defies all description and cannot be grasped by discursive thought. The Bodhisattva paused and looked at Stanley. But yet we believe without question there's an entity, a thing, a continuous tangible presence called mind, my mind, your mind, an ongoing flow, clearly there, but too fluid to pin down as to precisely what, where, and how it is. Our belief in the continuous mind arises from the fact that we cannot perceive extremely short instants of consciousness that follow one another in rapid succession. They all seem to blend together as one all-inclusive stream. If a needle is quickly and forcefully pushed through a stack of 60 leaves, it seems as though the needle pierced them all at once. But in reality, the needle passed through the leaves one by one. The Buddha discovered and taught that in the time it takes a human being to snap his or her fingers, at least 60 individual thought moments are constructed or formed in the mind. The ongoing process of mind we see as a flow is actually composed of small instances of thoughts that seem to be continuous but only because we don't see the individual one after another links of this chain of almost instant idea creation. It is similar to a movie theater where we sit in the audience 
and watch what appears to be one long continuous chain of images. But in actuality, we're seeing a series of separate film frames being projected on the screen before us. Each frame is an intact, complete, and separate moment in the progression, fertile, presenting newfound opportunities for wholesomeness and virtue. Considering that our thoughts change at lightning speed from moment to moment, bursting with karmic impulses, absent of any intrinsic essence of what we call me or self. Again, she paused. This understanding of the mind's workings, often referred to in the Tibetan teachings as thusness, is vastly beneficial and is upon familiarization resulting from persistent attention and contemplation, the key to the most profound of insights and far-reaching understandings. It's said in Buddhist thinking that all happiness-producing wisdom, ordinary and sublime, is achieved by watching, understanding, and discerning the processes of our own mind. A pause for sink-in, then a smile. As our dear Lama Yeshe would often instruct, you must check up on this. You must see this for yourself. The 21st century Bodhisattva had given her students much to think about. Okay, this is as far as I'll go right now on the Buddhist notions of mind, or the nature of mind. Perhaps in the weeks ahead we'll come back to it. But please understand that no matter how poetically or clearly I attempt to communicate these teachings to you, the only way you'll ever know mind's true nature and then have the motivating wisdom with which to act on and engage with what you've come to know is not for you to merely hear or read about it, but to uncover and experience your mind's brilliance on your own. Again, looking at Stanley. And to get to that brilliance, you go beyond ordinary discursive thought by merging the empowering aggregates of living mindfully and practicing meditation into your everyday experience. Stanley thought for a few moments, then nodded grateful assent before preparing to leave. This recording was written and shared here by Mark Winwood. Mark, that's me is a member of the teaching faculty at Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, and the founder of the Chenrizig Project, a Tibetan Buddhist study and practice group with a national online presence. In addition to these Elegant Mind podcasts, we facilitate online sangha gatherings and teachings, share writings via our weekly e-magazine, and host various events. You can learn more about the Chenrizig Project at our website, www.chenrizigproject.org. That's C-H-E-N-R-E-Z-I-G project.org. Our accompanying music, titled Surprise, was composed and performed by the San Francisco Bay Area musician Bobby Vega. It appears on his 2017 album, Matters of the Heart. Bobby's reputation for feel is legendary, 
And with this album's music, he shares how transitions and melody can be expressed in creatively new ways on acoustic bass, where slight variations in fudge and timing can speak emotional volumes. You can learn more about Bobby and his music at his website, www.bobbyvega.com. That's B-O-B-B-Y-V-E-G-A.com. Or as he's very findable online, you can simply Google his name or look for his numerous videos on YouTube. We remain grateful to Bobby for his friendship, his talents, his collaboration, and his generosity in sharing his beautiful music with our Dharma audience. Please feel free to share the link to this podcast with those you feel it might resonate. And as always, thank you for listening.